welcome to the Pastured Pig Podcast, where we share the successes and challenges of raising pigs on pasture. We talk to producers all over the country, from small homesteads to large commercial pasture operations. Whether you're new to pastured pigs or have been raising hogs for decades, we hope you hear new ideas and new perspectives on pasturing hogs. Here's your host, Troy McClung. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Pastured Pig Podcast. If this is your first time hearing the podcast, then welcome. You're in for a treat, hopefully. (laughs) We have on tap a titillating and stimulating conversation, uh, as always, on the podcast. No, actually, I hope it's uh, I hope you enjoy it. But we'll we'll get into that here in a second. Uh, First, I'm just excited to experience spring. We've had a, a really great weather change here lately. In fact, uh, here in West Virginia, the Mountain State, we've had warm temperatures, we've had greenery showing up, we've had blooms, we've even had a decreased amount of mud. So I am ecstatic, dare I say even giddy, with anticipation of what's to come this season. Uh, In full disclosure, living as rural as I do, I was even on the front porch uh, barely clothed this morning doing some notes simply because the sun was so good on my white body and... The reason why I did that is when I lay down a piece of notebook paper beside my torso, I realized they were exactly the same color. Screaming TMI will move on and get away from that. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, in, in fact, it, we've had such a, a drier spring so far, knock on wood, that uh, our grass has grown. Uh, Kelly was even out cutting the grass this evening as I'm uh, doing this bumper for this podcast episode. And she did a wonderful job. She does, uh, she does the lines well and everything. Uh, you may be wondering, why in the world, Troy, are you sitting in the house while she's out mowing the grass? That is her call. She, uh, she does not allow me to cut the grass around the house. I'm allowed to cut the meadows and the bigger stuff with a tractor. But when it comes to the detail work around the house, I don't do it well enough. I don't get, my lines aren't symmetrical. I, I don't do it right. I don't even know what the lines are supposed to do. But anyway, that's, that's her so uh, what I did, is, as any dutiful husband would do, I offered to buy her the mower of choice. And she, of course, picks out a Honda push mower that I believe cost more than my first car. My first car was a 1975 Chrysler Cordoba. And I bought, well, we got that, I, I was driving, well, I was 16 and what, 89, I believe. Oh my goodness, somewhere back in there. So yeah, that was my first car. I believe it was $600 for the Chrysler. And uh, I think her mower was about 650 So there you go. And for those of you that are old enough to remember, yes, that Cordoba did indeed have rich Corinthian leather. I'm not quite sure how many Corinthians had to die to, to make that upholstery. But <laughs> it was very supple. All right. Well, obviously, that's a rabbit hole we're going to get out of. Uh, stop talking about my car and let's move on to what we've got uh, upcoming. Well, I wanted to uh, quickly just uh, make an announcement about our Patreon. Uh, this growing there. I appreciate the feedback we're getting with those that are on the inside and giving me some input. Uh, and it's led to a discussion about uh, a series we're going to do on marketing, farm marketing. So we're going to kick that off this month. And those will be, right now, those will be podcast episodes, uh, recordings that will be behind the paywall of Patreon, of course, because I. Um, we wanted to put that together there. And that's going to first, our first episode is going to discuss the, um, the process in which you price your farm products. You know, we're going to focus mainly on, on pork, but uh, it'll be applicable to all farm products. And then how to do a, an efficient 
but effective cost analysis of, of what you're producing so you're not just picking numbers out of the air or saying, oh, I think this is what I want to charge per pound. Uh, show you how to do that. And we'll have a downloadable spreadsheet that you can use, stuff that we've used. Uh, Kelly, who's an accountant by trade, of course, she's uh, given me a lot of input on that, and she helps here. So we'll be sharing those details. So if that sounds any at all remotely interesting to you, then please uh, I strongly suggest join the Patreon. Uh, we're going to be providing that content as long as well as the other items that we've talked about on the Patreon page. So that's being, you know, we're rolling that out a little at a time. So I don't overpromise and underdeliver. But uh, for as little as five dollars a month, you too can be a Patreon supporter. All right. Well, let's uh, let's tee up our our conversation to uh, in this episode tonight. We are talking with Tom Setkowski. It seems like the interviews I've been having lately, I mean, you guys are challenging me with your names and pronunciations. I've, I've had to write things out phonetically because I did go to public school. So, But Tom Sikowski is with East Willow Farm in Connecticut. And uh, yeah, that's another good farm in Connecticut. You know, I, when I'm blasting through Connecticut between Boston and New York, I just, all I see is interstate. So I obviously need to stop and look around in Connecticut. Sounds like there's some, some great farms there, some great land in that area. Definitely need to stop and and look around. Well, I've turned out to be Chatty Cathy tonight, so let's let's just go ahead and transition over to Tom, and let's let him talk for a while, and I'll catch you guys on the backside of the interview. Tonight we have from Connecticut at East Willow Farm, Tom Sikowski. Welcome, Tom. Hey, how you doing, Troy? I'm doing fine, doing fine. How are things up in sunny Connecticut? Right now you should be uh, neck deep in snow, right? Yes, uh, we started getting snow Monday morning, uh, yeah, early Monday morning, and we got, uh, they say a foot, but the uh, top strand of my electric fence was under snow, uh, and that's about 14, 16 inches at some spots, so I, I'd say a solid foot. Yeah, that's substantial. Yeah. That, that, that gets your attention, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, and we got one uh, last week, too. We got some snow, and they're talking about this coming Sunday uh, as well. Well, there you go. You uh, New Englanders have been complaining how you weren't getting much earlier this winter, and I guess it's all showing up now, right? <laughs> yeah, it's been, the, it's been the last couple of years. Well, if you don't like the weather in Connecticut, you just wait a minute. Actually, New England in general. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I feel the same way about West Virginia, it seems. All right, well, let's, um, let's get past the weather conversation and tell me a bit about your, your farm setup. Uh, well, we're in uh, Columbia, Connecticut. It's more towards the Rhode Island border. It's uh, east of the Connecticut River. Uh, we're on 24 acres. Uh, it's actually all wooded right now. Um, and uh, we're in the process of cutting down the apple orchard. Uh, we just moved here in March. Oh, okay. Um, we tried apple farming this year um, the organic way. We're not into uh, all that spraying. Um, uh, it didn't work out too well. They were honestly the best tasting apple I ever had, but uh, they didn't look well at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were really the ugliest apple I've ever seen, but they were delicious. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how that works when you don't you don't spray them I and you don't do all that. How much cosmetic goes yeah. into uh, into all that? Yeah, but we uh, we raise hogs right now uh, and chickens. That's our two primary sources. Um, and uh, usually we have about three different age groups on the farm at, the t at a time. Uh, we process of anywhere from four to six uh, 
farm store on the property where uh, we sell our pork and chicken. We work with uh, two local beef farms, uh, a woman close to us that raises lamb, uh, all local artisans. It's, uh, it's a nice place. Yeah, that sounds like a good setup there. I, I love the, uh, the, the you know, joint efforts with the other farms and, and providing a broader yep. product line. Well, prior to this, we were actually, well, in 2016, we moved uh, from a half-acre property on the west side of the river. Um, I always wanted to have a farm. I was lucky enough to grow up uh, always fishing and hunting, and uh, I understood the value of harvesting your own, your, your own uh, meat. So uh, it, it's just been a dream of mine to always have a farm. You know, we're not making any more land, so I, I wanted to settle somewhere. Uh, so my wife was, uh, luckily, she's crazy enough to follow me on all these stupid adventures. And uh, <laughs> she, uh, we said, you know what, before the kids get too old, we wanted to settle down. And uh, we found this place. It was five acres at the time. Um, and uh, I think we weren't even settled in. We weren't even, the boxes weren't unpacked. And I was building a chicken tractor to raise our own chickens and um, so we harvested 50 of them processed them ourselves they all went to friends and family and uh, everybody was just blown away including us uh, we couldn't believe how much meat is actually on a chicken that's supposed to be raised the way we raise it you know right um, so uh, that just sort of took off like a rocket um, it's funny because the one thing when my wife and I started a farm, she did not want pigs. I, she was headstrong on it, and I just said, okay. You know, I didn't feel like fighting her on it. Um, so I was thinking about just having a, a couple beefers raised for the family and uh, some chickens, and that was it. Uh, but for some crazy reason, I think if she didn't want it, I got pigs. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was totally naive. Uh, raising pigs. Never did it before. Never had an interest in it. So I started reading books, watching videos, talking to old timers in the area because there's some nice established pig farms in Connecticut. Hmm. Everybody says raise it on concrete. Right. Well, I didn't know any. I didn't know any better. You know. So um, I built a 20 by 20 quart of concrete pad because I was only thinking maybe doing four a year for the family and friends. Um, and we raised them. And I, I just, that, that was pretty much it. You know, I, I, and then all of a sudden, a friend of mine had a couple more pigs. But the more I studied pasture raising, the benefits of pasture raising, I gave it a shot. And uh, not knowing anything, I set up, I took a 250-foot strand of, uh, you know, cattle fencing, um, made a little paddock. I'm like, this should be good. And uh, within a week and a half, it was just a mud pit. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so uh, I dove into it more, and uh, a friend of mine, uh, not too far away, I went to his house, and he was raising pigs with this little strain of electric fence. I said, there's no way you can do that. I said, you're crazy. You know, they're going to be getting out all the time. And sure enough, it just uh, it took off from there. Um we went from raising four a year to now, you know, we're about four, five, six a month. So it's, uh, it's going very well. All right. 
Well, let's talk about it. So you started with a half acre, got the bug to do your own farming, to do that process, moved to five acres, you say, in 2016. But you, you, you said you just acquired the 24 acres in March of this year, correct? Yes. So what, uh, what happens is, uh, what happened was, right after we raised those chickens and started with the pigs and realizing there is something more to raising your own food, we started doing farmer markets. Uh, and up until 2019, we started, we were doing six to seven per week. Um, it was just, it was crazy. Uh, I work a full-time job, so I was getting out of work an hour, two hours early, running home, packing the coolers, running to the market, doing the market, coming home. It was just, you know, it was a lot of work because a typical market between set up, take down, you're looking at five to six hours with travel time. Um, so a mutual friend of uh, ours and the, the previous owner of this house, he calls me, he goes, hey, listen, I know this guy, he wants uh, bees on his apple orchard. And we have, a, we have an apiary as well. I said, all right, well, give me his phone number. I'll give him a ring. And he happened to be only five minutes up the street. Yeah. Um, so uh, I gave him a call. And we're talking, we're doing small talk, and he's like, well, i got to get to work now. I work at this restaurant in, uh, in Middletown. And uh, I said, oh, my buddy owns a restaurant there. He goes, he names the name of the restaurant. I said, yeah, that's my buddy's restaurant. He goes, you know him? <laughs> I said, yeah, we grew up together. <laughs> and uh, I come to find out I went to school. He was two years older than I, uh, the person that owns this house now that we're currently in. Uh, so we just became the best of friends over the last three years. Uh, and he was a fantastic chef, and he wanted to get back into the kitchen. He gave Farman a shot, um, but he really missed the kitchen. So uh, he comes up to me in the fall of 2019, uh, and he goes, Hey, uh, I'm going back in the kitchen. You want this place? I'm like, Yeah, okay. I can't afford anything like that, you know? Um he goes, no, 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 it's yours. I said, all right, whatever. I blew it off. A month later, he hands me a piece of paper with some uh, numbers on it. I said, holy crap, uh, this, this, this could happen, you know? Yeah. And uh, without his help, he, he is honestly the nicest person in the world. Uh, he gave us the opportunity that's forever going to set our lives. Um, wow. And, yeah, it, it's fantastic. So we moved here in March uh, of 2020, and we just hit the ground running. Uh, got a nice little greenhouse on a property, and uh, it's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful little spot. All right. So did that allow you to put your five acres on the market, or do you retain that? Or We sold it. Yeah. Um, we sold. Uh, it was a rough process because buyers kept falling through. I think we went through five or six buyers. Hmm. And uh, we're like, is this really, should we even keep, pushing at it and something just made us keep going and we ended up finding the nicest people in the world bought our house he actually sells pottery in our store hmm. uh, they're fantastic people and uh it's only 10 minutes down the road from where we are right now yeah that's fantastic and man let you think about the, the providence of timing there because of buying uh, property there wasn't much going on in march of 2020 uh, globally but uh you know, property obviously just skyrocketed after that so sounds like you guys got on the front end of that and sounds like it was a great deal with uh, the guy that you knew 
and set you up yep. well with that 24 acres. Awesome. Yeah, actually, uh, right after we closed on the house, my work sent me home for two weeks. Uh, I work for a local municipality hmm. um, because it was yeah, COVID was coming around and it was getting pretty scary. So uh, they actually shut down the town uh, for two weeks, sent everybody home. Uh, so at that point, we just moved into the house and we went gangbusters. We pruned the whole orchard. We pruned all our blueberries. We got thousands of seeds planted in the greenhouse. I mean, my kids hated me for those two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun. Yeah, so so it sounds like there. Uh, you, you mentioned some infrastructure already on the property. So an apple orchard, house of course, greenhouse. Sounds like some established blueberries. What other infrastructure was already there? Um, that's pretty much it. a little shed where we uh, right now it's our brooder for our meat chickens. Uh, we raise about 150 meat chickens every three weeks. Uh, when it, when we were able to put them on pasture. Now we don't do anywhere near that. We do about a uh, hundred. We have enough room for 100 every six weeks mm-hmm. their turnaround. Um, but besides that, uh, the farm store is actually a three-bay garage converted into the farm store. Um, so other than that, there that's all the infrastructure that was there. Okay. So have you added to that since then? Obviously, I, I believe you. It sounds like you have a, a winter place to run your chickens. But what, uh, what other infrastructure have you added? Um, nothing. Nothing else. Mm-hmm. Um other than moving the pigs around with with uh, the portable fencing, yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's about it. Yeah. All right. Well, excellent. Well, let's uh, let's segue over to your pigs. So, uh, what what breed do you go with, and and why did you go that direction? Uh, I I'm trying every breed there is. I think uh, mixes. I I've just about tried everything. I uh, I have a a sweet spot for Herefords. Uh, they were the second litter I raised, and I raised another one shortly after that. Uh, their temperament was fantastic. Their growth was great. They were just solid animals, very solid. Um, but since then, I've, read, I've uh, raised uh, Burke Crosses, Duroc, Tamworth, Old Spots. Um, right now, we have our first purebred Berkshires that uh, I am just blown away by their growth. Uh, they are just the, the largest frame, just square. They look like cardboard boxes. They're unbelievable. <laughs> um, we, uh, we got them from a really good breeder in Connecticut that gets his genetics from out west. Um, and they're actually the only registered breeder, I believe, in Connecticut. Um, so he's a great guy. So I uh, tried that out. Yeah. So, so with that situation, you're not doing farrowing right now? You're, you're getting your feeders from this guy? I buy uh, I buy litters whole litters. Um, they average anywhere from eight to twelve. Um, we actually have a uh, twelve coming in a couple weeks. They're York crossed with uh, large black, which I haven't raised yet. So I'm pretty excited about that. Hmm, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, right now we have uh, Hampshires and Hampshire crosses and uh, and purebred uh, Berkshires. Yeah. Yeah, you, I think you're going to like that large black. I've got the large black Tamworth cross uh, from Six Oaks Farms, and I've really, really been happy with them. Love that temperament, and uh, anxious to see their, uh, I believe, as we record this, I believe they're settled, so we'll we'll know here in a couple of days, and so I have another yeah, literary. I'm excited. Yeah, 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 good stuff. Well, cool. So, um, 
Yeah, I, I saw the Hereford picture on your uh, website, and I thought uh, maybe that was what you're leaning toward. But I can I can understand. I've heard a lot of good things about the Herefords. I think um, one of my main goals by the fall time is to actually settle on a breed and uh, start getting some genetics in here. And because uh, I'm a control freak, sort of, I like to manage everything. So <laughs> that's the last piece of the puzzle where I can grow my own pigs know where they're coming from. I don't have to worry about transportation. Uh, it, that, that's something I'm really shooting for. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, you, you'd mentioned that you're running uh, three groups, so three different age categories that's going to allow you to have more processing times regularly through the year. So how's that working out as far as your rotation and your setup for that on the property? Um, well, right now we're only going to have two age groups. Um, but normally I have three. We're going to hit a little bit of a low spot. Um, but right now, they're, they're working more like a construction company than uh, pasture raising because I'm using them to destroy the orchard. Um, we went and, and did a lot of soil testing to make sure the soil was safe. And we've been cutting down quarter acres at a time and then running uh, just a strand of wire. And then they'll dig up that piece. And then come spring, springtime, we're going to actually plant off pasture for our poultry. Um, but I have groups set up in the woods. I usually just run uh, one strand of, of uh, wire. Uh, when they're younger, I do two strands because they seem to slip under. But once they get about 100 pounds, 100 pounds or so, uh, I just use uh, one strand. Uh, and we actually don't have any pasture on the property right now, so we're more of a woodland raised. Yeah. Um, but I'm pretty excited to set them off into the woods next year and because uh, I got some really nice, really nice hardwoods. Uh, and it was logged about 15, 15 or 17 years ago. Um, so there's some beautiful standing hardwoods, nice mixture of oaks and hickories and beeches and maples and ashes. Uh, so I'm going to utilize them. And from your podcast, I actually learned about that uh, silvo uh, pasture. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm pretty excited to start diving into that because I think I have the perfect setup for that. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm, pretty, I'm, re I'm really excited. Yeah, if your timber stand, uh, depending on how how hard they cut it, but if if you've got some mature hardwoods like you know, like you listed off, then man, absolutely, that's that's been the probably the biggest jewel in the crown here with us because we have zero flat land, but all of this Appalachian hardwood. Uh, that mass, that's just free protein. And, and then when you clear that out enough to get the grasses growing and have you know the best of both worlds, it really is a nice setup and very, very productive. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, uh, you know, following Jordan Green doing that, I mean, he, it looks like a carpet under his, uh, in his forest. Yeah, exactly. It just looks beautiful. Yeah. So it, it's, a, it's something to shoot for, you know? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's that's that's a good opportunity, and that man, those pigs are going to go in there, and they're going to clean out all the small brush and and the undergrowth, and then that allows you to to come in, whether you do it by hand or whether you bring in some equipment. It's going to allow that to open up and and uh, go yep. in there and selectively choose what you want. Good deal. All right. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. So you, you talked about your your farm store. Uh, you started that back on the five acres. Um, why did you go that direction and, and shift from uh, the, the uh, what did you say, sit, you're doing six or seven farmer's markets and then and then you went away from that? What, give us the genesis of that. How did that evolve? 
actually, the, the we didn't start the farm store until we moved here. Uh, oh, okay. Because yeah. the last house, we didn't have an area to do it. Gotcha. Um, what, what started the markets was realizing the, the quality of this food is just incredible. Everybody was just blown away by it. And, you know, the more you dive into the health of doing it this way, it, it's, it's just a no-brainer. So uh, we just, it, it just sparked a fire uh, in my wife and I. And, uh, you know, it, it's, we were just doing a lot of markets and taking up way too much time. And with two little kids, it, it was just a lot. Uh, we were lucky enough that my, we were able to keep my wife home. Uh, and she raised our kids. Uh, we didn't have to bring them to babysitters or anything like that. So uh, they have our values, and and I guess raising them on the farm was something that we wanted to do as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know I got away from the subject there, but that. yeah, the uh, the farmers markets they were taking up too much time, and, and I we wanted to start a, a farm store. We were going to start it on the old house, but then this opportunity came. And uh, what a crazy time to start a farmer's market. And, <laughs> and we're in such an amazing community that people rely on farmers. Yeah. Uh, there's not too many big grocery stores around here. There are, but it's like a 15-minute ride. Um, so uh, people are really appreciating what we do. That's excellent. So I think you're, you're definitely qualified then to add some additional perspective here that I think would be helpful for our listeners. So dealing with those markets, which that many markets, the, the, and this has multiple tiers, so let's just, just try to plow through this. So when you were doing the markets, doing that many markets, working the day job, obviously consuming a lot of time, did you have the opportunity to take a deep breath and look at the profitability margin of that? Was, was that profitable for you? Right, which is which is the segue. You you threw out something there that I think is important. So you you, you talked about building relationships, building that customer base at the market. People getting your product, getting to talk to you. You're coming to them, so you kind of have a captive audience there. And then bang, you transition away from the market to a single location. Come out to the farm. But do you think would you be as successful now with the on-site farm store had you not established the relationships at the market? Okay. It's we, we still have customers that we met. Uh, our farther our farthest market that we went to was about uh, close to forty five minutes down by the shore. Um, we still have people that come from there to come to the store on a monthly basis, buy a bunch of meat, and you know go back home. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the community was overwhelmingly supportive when they saw us. I mean, I put a we're right on Route sixty six which is a main highway. Uh, I'm sorry, not a main highway. It's a two-lane road, a state road. Mm -hmm. um, but 
but I, I bet we get a, a few thousand cars a day that drive by the store, and I put up a sign pretty much dimensions of a billboard, um, and everybody just started coming by, talking to us. And I gotta, I gotta give my wife the credit because she is an amazing person in, to talk to, and she's developed a relationship with this, the people in this community. Um, and people just love coming to talk to her. I'm just the idiot in the woods growing the pigs, but <laughs> right. no, she, she, uh, she really has developed a relationship with this community, yeah. and, and it's great to see. Yeah, so keep Tom in the woods. That's where he does his best work. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm too filthy to come up to the store, I think. <laughs> yeah, they're like, Who, who's the weird guy that keeps coming around every once that's dirty and sm- smelly? <laughs> yeah, I just give a farm tour every once in a while. There you go. Well, so, okay, so that, that was the... Um, that was the missing piece of the puzzle there and, and where I was trying to lead you there. And, and I'm glad you, you threw that out. So the benefit of having your 24 acres on a busy thoroughfare that allows you to take advantage of what I would consider traditional brick and mortar retail advertising. So, uh, so people don't have to drive up some windy hollow like they do to get to me. They, they're able to drive by. So you're taking advantage of that traffic count and, and getting a lot of that impulse traffic to stop and, and check you guys out. Yeah, it's definitely location. We wouldn't be as successful as we were uh, without this location. Even though we're our our property is a thousand feet off the road, um, it's just a, a a driveway that goes into the back. You can't see our farm or anything. Um, but the location is what it is. Yeah, yeah, and I assume you. It sounds like you don't have any uh, city ordinances or any issues there as far as signage goes. You're rural enough that that's not a problem. <laughs> They've been extremely welcoming. When they heard another farm was coming in, they're trying to get farming back into this community, and the town has been fantastic working with us, every wow. aspect of it. Wow, that's refreshing. Yeah, normally, you don't hear that about municipalities. Normally, they're trying to uh, get you to stop having your animals, uh, stop having sex in the pasture, and stop stinking and making noises after a certain time. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, hopefully, none of them get away and, uh, <laughs> and that happens in the middle of Route 66, because I guarantee something will happen then. Yeah, yeah, that may get some people's attention. Well, man, that's excellent. So, um, wow. So, yeah, that, and again, there's just something I, w- I want to preface for our listeners because I, you're setting up a really good uh, example, you know, learning point uh, for anyone that's taking notes. You know, sharpen your pencil. Here we go. Look at the fact that if you're thinking on-site farm store for the convenience, for the ability to to work that you know, to your advantage to, to be able to stay there, have your, your product stay right where it is, you know, open and close your hours, go and watch TV when it's down, that type of thing versus taking everything to a market. It, it all sounds much better, but if you don't have the traffic like you have, then you've got to make sure you allocate resources for a whole lot of marketing to get people to come up that hollow or to, to seek you out and, and make it worth their while to drive out of the way. So uh, I think it's neat to look Absolutely. at your example there. Alrighty, I can tell right now, I don't know if that mic's picking that up, but somebody's going to have to invest in some grease for this office chair. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, <laughs> I digress. Let's let's circle back around and talk about your um, your setup. So I, I believe you had mentioned in, in some of the pre-screening information that you sent me that you, um, as far as grain goes, you're, you're, going, you're going non-GMO or organic, or is that just for your chickens? Uh, it's non-GMO for chicken and, and the pigs. Um, 
We are extremely lucky that we have, just 20 minutes from me, we have a, uh, a feed supplier that makes everything. Um, he grows conventional and non-GMO. Um, and I'm actually working with him right now because I've, I've had quite a few people contact me um, that uh, have had cancer or they're, um, you know, just getting over cancer. And they, I, I guess you have to stay away from soy. Um, so I, I talked to uh, the producer, the, the feed producer, and I, I told him my concern. And he looked into it for me. And uh, right now he's making us, he's going to start making us uh, a barley and sunflower mix for the pigs. Um, he's just working on the fat content because I guess the sunflower is a little fattier than the, the soy. So he's working on his mixture to, to narrow that down. Um, but we're, we're very lucky. Uh, to be this close um, to somebody that makes that quality of feed. His, his feed's just phenomenal. It's so consistent. I never have to question anything. Uh, right now I go up with uh, uh, with barrels and I pick it up. But once we switch over to that uh, barley sunflower mix, uh, I'm going to invest in a silo. Hmm. Um, I just really enjoy that 20-minute ride, you know, because it's, it's time for me to just be past some beautiful country and uh, it just might time to be by myself so uh, uh, but he's uh it's great to be this close to somebody like that Ah, oh, you're killing me man i just drove an hour up and an hour back for my feed run today so that's nice to be uh, uh to have something that close and to have those options yeah listening to some of your podcasts i, I hear people driving one two three hours i'm like holy smokes i don't think i would farm if i had to do that <laughs> yeah you know and that's that's something you point out and and for I know there's a lot of our listeners that are still trying to nail down their land for their setup. And, and man, you know, it's, it's one of those things you, 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 you got to be able to get what you can afford. But when you look at some of the, some of the characteristics you've already laid out of your setup, so 24 acres, you know, woodlot, some infrastructure in place, uh, real close to a major thoroughfare. So that fits well to your, your sales and your store. And then of course, close proximity to your feed lot or your feed supplier. So I guess the next thing you're going to tell me, there's a USDA processor in your backyard. A couple. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Turkey. Um, <laughs> uh, it's actually being built on the property. <laughs> right. There you go. You're probably serious, uh, aren't you? It, it's, I'll tell you, though, but it's, uh, it, it's a thought that has crossed my mind only about six times a day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, the uh, our processor we go to is just shy of an hour. Yeah, that's not too bad. Um, yeah. No, it's uh, and her facility is amazing. I'll tell you, you can eat off the floor at any point during the process. It's it's a beautiful place. Um, but the same person that does the slaughter does not do the butcher, um, which works in my benefit because right now, if she was to do slaughter and processing, she's booked. I just talked to her a couple weeks ago until the spring of 22. Oh, gracious. Um, yeah, it's, it's absolutely crazy. Um, so she only handles the slaughter, and then uh, a processor in the town that we actually grew up in, uh, in Berlin, and he does the processing. Hmm. Um, so he goes, uh, pigs get done on Thursdays. I bring them on Thursday. He picks them up on Monday. And uh, he cuts them up for me, and then I pick them up. Yeah, yeah. And this is USDA, I assume. It is. Uh, we have done some custom uh, from people. 
there's a lot more custom facilities than USDA. Um, so uh, we have dropped pigs off at uh, some custom places for customers. Uh, and out of that uh, four to six per month that we bring, usually anywhere from one to three, uh, probably one or two go to uh, people buying halves and holes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, does Connecticut have the um, the state inspection option where you can sell cuts no. with state inspected? No, they uh, it's either USDA or or custom. custom yeah, um, I listened to that on your podcast about uh, that would be really nice if we were able to get it at a state facility and be able to sell it within the state. Um, but right now it's either USDA or uh, custom. Yeah, yeah, and I wonder about that. With obviously the the geographic footprint of the state of Connecticut, it isn't as large as as many other states. Uh, so being being restricted by the state line may make that less appealing to somebody. But uh, it is nice having that extra option. But man, yeah, if you're USDA processors, um, yeah, and our chickens have to go to Rhode Island uh, for processing, which is about an hour and ten minutes from us. Hmm. But uh, the closest place other than that is way up in upstate New York, I think, or uh, up in Maine somewhere. So we're, we're pretty lucky with that, too. Yeah. So you don't do that on farm yet? Uh, this spring, this year, we're actually starting. Oh, okay. Uh, all, right. all, all poultry will be processed on farm. Yeah. Um, and there, there are some exemptions that the state, uh, you know, makes you follow, which is fine. Sure. Uh, but the, the benefit of having that control and the animal's not leaving the farm, it's definitely something uh, that we're going to move forward uh, to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, anytime I think of that, I always think of Salatin. And, of course, we do we do our own chicken processing here as well, but uh, we just do a couple hundred a year, nothing crazy for, for resale. Yep. But having that exemption really does uh, make it nice and, and allows you to have full control there. Yeah, one of the uh, one of the requirements is to have it all pre-ordered, like a CSA. Um, and mo- all our... Uh, all our chicken is waitlist anyway, uh, so it's all sold before they even get processed. So that's that's one thing we won't have a problem with. Very good, very good. Yep. Well, let's talk about um, kind of forecasting here, Tom. What what short term goals do you have uh, for the farm? So within the next year or two, you, you kind of threw out there tongue in cheek that you want a processing facility, but but what are you looking for infrastructure wise or just other plans for the farm? Um. I really want to get the, uh, the farrowing nailed down and uh, get some permanent structures set up in the, uh, in, in the woods, uh, almost like a conveyor system type. Just do the math, figure out how many paddocks I'm going to need, and have like a, a rotation system set up where I can work them from point A, grow them out for six, seven months, because I usually get them to about, I like eight or nine months of age. Um, and then, you know, just have the trailer waiting there, so to speak, to, uh, you know, ready for slaughter. Yeah. Uh, so definitely something more permanent for the pigs, because I'm moving them around way too much, and it's uh, it's just a lot of work with loading them in the trailer and stuff like that. So what do you do? Just have uh, small shelters for them right now, this this time of year? I'm, I'm sure your winters are a little rough up there. Yep. Um, I, I have all just portable shelters that mm-hmm. I just... Uh, they hook up to the tractor. I move them around with them. Uh, watering systems, I use uh, those poly barrels with nipples on them. Or this year, I actually invested in, uh, what do we call them, the brewer, the field waterers. Yeah, yeah. I think it is. Um, 
I got one of those. I really like them. You, you just got to make sure you keep the water in them or else it's a giant game of soccer. <laughs> right. Yes. Oh, yes. man. I, I looked out the window. They were having a blast. Yeah. And I, I lost one of those little rubber stops for the bottom to hold the water in. Right. And I don't know. The stars must have aligned that day. I ended up finding it in just a couple minutes. Oh, wow. uh, but from then on, I, I always made sure it was at least a quarter full. Yeah. A third full, probably. Now, do you have those plumbed? Or are you just transporting water to them? Uh, I have a tote that I uh, I pick up, and um, right now the group of pigs I got the eight or uh, the nine of them they go they go through about fifty gallons in three or four days. They're eating quite a bit to stay warm right now, but normally it's about four days. I have to refill their water, um, so I get them all on the same schedule, so I don't have to keep uh, bringing a tote around daily. I just do it every few days. Yeah. Now, does that uh, does that water is that heated, or do you have you added heat to it? Uh, I did add a heater to it. Yep. And that's the other thing that I'm pretty scared not scared about, but uh, is my main concern because if they start being in the woods full time, there's no way of bringing electricity to them. Uh, so I got to figure something out for next winter. Yeah. That's probably my biggest concern is the water. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely an issue. We've um, we're further south that um, our our stream that goes through the center of our property uh, very rarely freezes over solid. So that's something I've been able to dodge. But um, when it comes to chickens, I, I I do crack a lot of ice. It seems like every day. So uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I uh, I hand feed them every day. Um, once we scale up a bit, I may try to invest uh, more of a bulk feeder. Mm-hmm. But I, I just love being out there every day with them. And I, I think I spend more time with them than my kids. <laughs> so uh, it, it's it's something I enjoy doing, obviously. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. But yeah, the um, yeah, the hand feeding. Yeah, you know, this this is uh, my second year of hand feeding. Before I was just using the big bulk feeders, and and really, a I, I like the fact that I can. It forces me to do a daily inspection. B, it allows the temperament of the pigs to be even better. They're they're used to me. It's almost like they're becoming, yeah. you know, almost like they're pets, dogs that are that are running around with you. So it is it is interesting, but it does add an extra flavor to it. And of course, since we're soaking and fermenting our our feed, it, uh, it it's something that I can't feed out in bulk without mold issues coming to play in the in the summertime. So. Yeah, I haven't heard any talk about that. I, I definitely want to try that next year when I don't have to worry about everything freezing. Yeah. Um, next year I mean in the spring but uh um i I definitely want to try fermenting because i could see the benefits of it yeah it's amazing how much it reduces their water intake and again since i have natural water collection i can't get a really good gauge on it if i was transporting like you then i would be able to to really nail down and see what what the water consumption is but uh, when i've um when I've uh, you know, sequestered the pigs for various reasons, whether it's uh, separating the boars or, or putting the uh, the sows that are going to ferris soon in a certain spot, I've noticed that the soaked feed obviously has so much moisture in it that they didn't require nearly as much water. So it's it's interesting how that balances. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So what about long-term goals? If, if you look out um, five years, ten years, and, and things things are all aligning the way that you want it to go, what what do you see happening with uh, with your farm? in its own podcast um, <laughs> dream big uh i uh i want either one of two things um obviously get the store well established um but 
I want to do some sort of farm-to-table dinners. I want to build a nice little one room with a kitchen type thing. Uh, we're small groups of people. I'm talking like 10, 12 people. We have a chef come in. You can cook dinners. We have uh, actually quite a few wineries and breweries in the area. Um, you could just come down, just a low-key dinner, and, you know, pre-sell the tickets and, and just do something like that. Yeah, um, yeah, I like that. I, I just love, I love communicating with the people and, and showing them the quality of what we do. Uh, so that's a major thing. And then I'm, I've been pretty headstrong on doing some sort of uh, USDA-type smoking. Um, I, I really enjoy, obviously, the bacon, the hams. Our number one seller right now is the kielbasa. We've been, we've been doing quite a bit of kielbasa. Um, and I, I think I would enjoy smoking quite a bit. So maybe somewhere leaning towards that. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. Um, I, I love that value added opportunity. And it's great when your processor can, can bring that out for you. But if you can get to the point where you can do that on farm, then that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, I, I enjoy doing things myself. Of, of course, you can't do everything yourself, and you have to rely on people. So, um, you got to really trust, especially in this industry. You got to trust what happens to these animals after they leave this farm. Yeah. Um, it, it's. I, I spent a long time trying to find what I found as far as processors and feed, and I used to. I used to stamp my pigs to make sure that that number showed up on the hams or the shoulder. Um, and I don't have to do that anymore, and it's a great feeling. Right. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Well, you know, normally I, I close, and I am going to ask you the closing question, but I want to ask you, I want to squeeze one more question in front of that. What, yeah, sure. Because of the experiences you've had and, and the successes that you've had so far, uh, for those that are listening that maybe are just on the homesteading level, got a couple pigs, and thinking about taking it to some some sort of commercial operation, or those that are they know they want to get into farming, they're just not there yet. What would your what would your first tip, first piece of advice be for somebody just starting out in that direction? Uh, believe in yourself and uh, have a support system uh, because you can't do it alone, and you got to trust in your product. You you really got to believe. Uh, I think one of my favorite things to do is talk to people on the store on the weekends because, you know, working a full-time job during the week, I don't get a lot of time at the store, but this store is my favorite place to be. Um, you you got to develop relationships with people um, and, and hold the value of what you're raising. Uh, I, I heard you talk a couple times on the podcast about, uh, you know, when you have sales and stuff like that, don't devalue the, your, your meat, but just add a little something to it. Yeah. It makes sense because yeah. my prices are my prices. I, I put too much time and effort in everybody that does this. Everybody that listens to this podcast uh, puts too much time and effort into doing what they do. Exactly. So don't yeah. devalue yourself. And, and when you believe in yourself, it, it's going to sell. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I firmly believe that. Very good. Very good. Good. You have a good advice. Very solid advice. Okay. So let's, let's wrap it up here with the, uh, the uh, keystone question. What is your best experience or your favorite part about raising pigs on pasture? Yeah, I got. If I could tell one quick story along with my favorite part, it's a sure. funny one. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> um, I think my favorite part of the farm. If you've never walked through the woods, 
with a herd of pigs following you when it's quiet out. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm telling you, when they're in single file line, starting away, just 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 enjoying a walk through the woods, it's it's awesome. Uh, so definitely the time with the animals is my favorite part. Um, and a, a, a quick little funny story: uh, this this past year uh, in October, my daughter, we had to bring my daughter down to uh, Philly to have a procedure done. Uh, so we had to leave the farm last minute for five days. So she was scheduled to go for her surgery in uh, December, but they call us in October, said, on a Thursday, said, can you be here Wednesday? We're like, uh, <laughs> I guess. So we scrambled around. I called my mom and dad to teach them how to run the store. My dad took care of the animals. My mom ran the store. Um, and, of course, we just get a litter of piglets because I wasn't planning on leaving for another two months. Right, right. So we're at the hospital. My dad calls me. He said, one of the piglets is acting lethargic. I'm like, oh, man, here we go. So I called the vet right away. And I told my dad, if anything ever needs to happen, I have a, a nice little corral system. You pick it up with the forks of the tractor, put it in their pen. You get them in there, and then you can work on it. Well, I got my stubbornness from him. He didn't listen to me. The vet comes. Um, they couldn't catch the pig, any of the pigs. So they had to soak a couple loaves of bread in some beer to give it to them to slow them down. Right, right. <laughs> so they're treating that one pig. I ended up uh, having some pneumonia because there was a lot of fluctuation in the humidity and it just being piglets. Hmm. Uh, they ended up getting a little pneumonia. Um, but the, the vet looks down. He goes, you want me to take care of that? There's a a three-inch bass lure hanging out of one of the pig's mouths. No, I'm kidding. Because my, <laughs> my son, all he does is fish. He, if he's not sleeping, he's fishing. So he likes to practice around the yard. He's, right. he's always got a rod in his hand. Well, I gave him little rubber weights to use to practice, but obviously he wanted the real thing because Dad wasn't there. Got it into the pig pen, and he didn't tell nobody. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, so the vet had to uh, take a bass lure out of the pig's mouth too while we were we were gone. It's just the fun <laughs> of farming, you know. Oh yeah, and that that's definitely going to be a, a story the uh, the vet shares with people as well in his circle. <laughs> he actually he kept the lure and it's hanging from his rearview mirror. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good, man. Yeah, yeah it's, it's fun. Farming's fun. You gotta you gotta take it in strides, and uh, it's definitely great to have your own piece of heaven and uh do what you want with it you know yeah i agree i agree good stuff well tom if people want to find out more about your your farm and your setup where can they find you uh well we have a website it's sort of generic it just tells about what we are and, and uh what we sell uh, i definitely want to uh get more into uh the online uh website type stuff uh but we're on facebook uh we're on instagram um, it has all our contact info. If you ever need, get, need to uh, get a hold of me, my phone number's there, my email's there. Um, you know, we're, we're pretty easy to find. All right. Yeah, and I'll list all that in the show notes so you guys can check that out. Well, Tom, I appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast, enjoyed the conversation, and, man, I pray you have a, a great uh, winter that the snow doesn't keep piling up for you up there. Yeah, same to you. And if you're ever, uh, if you're ever traveling up this way, uh, you got an open invitation to stop in. 
And I appreciate it. I, I, I'm probably going to take some take some people up on that uh, this this um, this summer. Actually, I've I've had about ten people say that you need to come back to New England. And I just when I was up there two years ago, I just fell in love with the place. We went all the way to Maine, and I just enjoyed every state I went in. I, I was shocked with New York, upstate New York, because all I had seen was New York City. Oh, it's gorgeous, isn't it? It is. It is. And then any and, and then that small amount of time spent in Connecticut, it just. And again, this is just ignorant Appalachian guy. He just thinks of Connecticut as being a, a suburb of New York, so it's not going to have anything uh, rural that would be uh, appealing to me. But man, your place sounds incredible. So, no, there's some uh, there's some gorgeous tracts of land up here, uh, forest and rolling hills, and you got the shoreline. It's it's pretty diverse. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, if you went up to Maine, you're only about we're only about 20 minutes off of 91 or 84, so we're not far out of your way. Yeah, good deal. Well, all right. Yeah, you may have some stranger knocking on your door. Actually, I'd call you first, but yeah. <laughs> may have to do the uh, Pastured Pig Podcast live on-site tour this fall. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, hopefully hopefully all the restrictions will lift and we can get back to some uh, form of normalcy when it comes to traveling. Yeah, yeah. All right, man. Well, I appreciate it. You take care now. All right, take care. Thanks for having me. Yeah, playing that episode back, obviously I record these um, months in advance, and then when I do these bumpers, I go back and listen to them. Um, I'm, I'm jonesing for another New England trip. You guys that are up in that neck of the woods, man, you're going to have to uh, may have to open up your doors or at least your, your barns and let us come up and, uh, and check it all out. I really enjoyed uh, our time up in New England a couple years ago. Yeah, that's all you need is some... Stranger come rolling in, right? <clears throat> All right. Well, I hope everyone appreciated and enjoyed that conversation with Tom. I appreciate him coming on and, and talking with us. Don't forget, we have the uh, Patreon with our our rollout of our marketing series there. Uh, we'll still be doing the uh, uh, the other features that we've got discussed on the Patreon. We'll, we'll put some links down in the uh, show notes here so you can check that out. Again, really appreciate everyone's support that you're considering that. I've had some of you tell me that as things fire back up this spring, you'll be able to uh, to join in. So we'd, we'd welcome that. And uh, yeah, there's actually some pretty good conversation going on behind that um, that, uh, that that allows people to give some feedback. We talk back and forth about specific topics and specific things associated with pasturing pigs. So we'd love to see that grow and have more input there. And again, love to uh, love to obviously you know, a 900 pound grill in the room that uh, that additional revenue will allow me to invest more I, I think i'm going to have to invest in a new office chair <laughs> i don't know if you guys hear that that creaking noise it, even though i'm 40 almost 48 years old that's not my back that creaks that's actually the chair <laughs> i swear it sounds like my back though at times it feels like my back all right well i think that's enough well i pray everyone have a great week and again we appreciate you checking out the podcast We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Pastured Pig Podcast. To learn more about our podcast or to submit topics or recommend guests for future episodes, visit redtoolhouse.com.